0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3.
1: Well, climate change is already happening and beginning to devastate lives and livelihoods. According to a new global survey commissioned by the World Economic Forum published in September, it found that more than half of adults on the planet say climate change has already had a severe impact on their part of the world, and one-third fear that it may force them from their homes. So, just looking at the devastating climate-related disasters, we're talking about floods in Pakistan, record heatwaves in Europe, catastrophic storms battering the US, and droughts the hitting countries worldwide, delaying Mitigation efforts to avoid short term costs will incur a much larger economic and human loss in the future. And, you know, I think we might even be talking about in the near future, right, Tian Tian? Right. As leaders of the world gather for the COP27 Climate Summit, which is the UN Climate Change Conference right. that's happening in Egypt from uh, this weekend in Sham al Sheikh, the debate intensified should rich industrialized countries offer reparations to poorer countries for the historical damage? caused by greenhouse gas emissions. How should climate action in tricky and expensive uh, to transition areas like energy be financed? So let's find out from Ms. Anika Brewer, sustainability analyst of 91. She has seven years' experience advising corporates and governments on transitioning their business models, portfolios and policies to be more inclusive of both people and planet. Um, Anika, hello. Good evening. How are you? Very well, thank you, Anika. Okay, let's start with uh, something that's baffled the climate community. Uh, Leading plastics polluter Coca-Cola has been named the primary sponsor of next month's, uh, of actually, you know, this weekend's COP27 Climate Summit. Is that a bit of an irony, you think? (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, sponsorship is, of
0: course, a big marketing campaign. And I think we've seen throughout history, sort of big corporates have always Leveraged big moments to push their brand, um, so it's not new. But I think in the context of COP and what COP stands for is where the sort of irony or um, uh, sort of yeah, slight like there's a values there's a values um, issue there. I think, but I I think what what we need to remember is that COP was once just a place for policymakers, and it's now become a place for business and private sector to sort of step into the world of the climate crisis and um, all these big corporates are figuring out how to play a more significant role. Um, Whether that is sponsoring the event or, you know, actually fundamentally changing their policy, I think what we're seeing and what we will see at COP is that um, it's not just on the heads of policymakers anymore. Private sector, be it Um, private capital, albeit incumbent institutions, um, have a lot of pressure to sort of adapt their brand, fundamentally change what they're offering mm. and um, play a more leading role in the climate crisis. Okay.
1: Well, ahead of ahead of the um, the conference starting, um, what are you hoping to come that will come out of it? So that versus also what in <laughs> what realistically you think will come out of it?
0: I think again, this is this is the first time in in the last sort of five years that um, the climate conversation will be hosted and and directed by. The emerging markets and developing countries. So, I think from that perspective, it's really changing the narrative of who holds the power and who holds the pen. Um, We know that loss and damage, for instance, is going to be a very big topic. Um, You know, Pakistan, South Africa, India, Indonesia, all countries where we've seen the climate crisis really affect the local population, also countries that. Um, have contributed the least, but are experiencing the greatest impacts of climate change. And I guess the question on loss and damage is who pays? Mm. So mm. Um, that is where, you know, our emerging market countries will very much be holding developed market countries to account on the climate commitment, climate capital that they have been committing mm-hmm. over the last five years—that's that famous or infamous, rather, hundred billion dollar number that that we've all heard about too many times. So your your question about the talk shop is, you know, we want to see that money not just committed, we mm. want to see it deployed. Um, and I I think the way that that you know manifests is through finance being seen in the form of projects Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and those projects really being, um, front and center of, of the stage at COP Mm -hmm. because, you know, we can't, we can't possibly have another commitment. We can't Mm -hmm. sign another pledge. We have to see money, um, being deployed into the areas that need it most.
1: Mm Well, paying for damage is one thing, right? Of course, it's an important uh, element there. Uh, but on the other hand, how about maybe not even producing, you know, the damage in the first place? And and I, I think um, at ahead of last year's COP26, the V20 actually pointed out that it is in fact the G20 countries, the world's biggest mm-hmm. economies, uh, that are producing, you know, the majority, to 80% of global greenhouse gas emissions. But so far, these countries have yes, they've put in stiff targets and and they are, you know, criticizing or pointing out, uh, calling out other countries for using coal and this and that. But they themselves have actually made very limited progress on on, on cutting carbon.
0: Absolutely. I think the the technical term is called common but differentiated responsibility. Wow. So (laughs) every country... Every country has the responsibility to contribute to reducing climate change, but that responsibility differentiates based Mm. on what you have contributed. Mm. And I think you're spot on. The biggest um, gripe at the moment is that emerging market countries, the countries that have contributed the least, are now being told what to do with their very precious natural resources, oil, gas whole and the, you know that is where the kind of discrepancy and the unjust component mm-hmm. of climate comes into play mm-hmm. and I think from an emerging market investor perspective our biggest key message is emerging markets continuously need to be invested in regardless of their you know, carbon emissions or, or future emissions projections, because mm-hmm. if we start starving these com- countries of much needed capital mm-hmm. to develop, then the risk of them developing in a high carbon way, mm-hmm. the risk of them leveraging their natural resources such as oil, gas and coal, it Increases and mm. if you don't see a net zero or a, you know, reduced climate, reduced carbon in emerging market countries, then that will drastically impact the rest of the
1: world. Mm. Okay, um, we have just one minute left, but I really would like to hear your thoughts on green financing. Uh, what would you be looking out for or expecting uh, from the summit?
0: Yeah, so I think that will be a, a huge topic of the day, of course. Um, We have to see our solutions, our renewable energy, our batteries, our um, semiconductors. Investment into those areas is critical for us to achieve our targets. I think another major topic that sits alongside green finance is transition finance. And transition finance is what will be the finance that we invest in to decarbonize the existing high carbon sectors. So I think what we're gonna see is a big push for green and next to green, a big push for transition. And those two levers, those two financial levers working together scaling up the solutions and driving down the carbon is what, you know, ultimately want, we want the outcome of COP to be and we want to see for 2030 and 2050.
1: Lovely. Anika Brewer, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you. And that was Ms Anuka Brewer, Sustainability Analyst at 91, giving us a look ahead at the COP27 summit that's taking place in Egypt uh, this weekend.